0: Uh, the message as well. You probably saw if you came in those doors that there's a uh, a display set up there too. Information you can grab if you like. Uh, Simon House Bible Camp is north from here, a good eight hours, depending on how many students are traveling with you. It might be ten hours and how many breaks you need to take. Uh, but we have a, a unique connection with Simon House, not necessarily always to summer ministry. But for years, we always went up on the May-long weekend with our grade 11s and 12s to run kids' program for the Northern Bible Conference. And uh, for many, when talking about from grade 12 looking back, for many people, they shared about how that was a highlight throughout their uh, youth experience was getting to be at Simon House. Uh, so I'm really grateful for Simon House. I'm grateful that we have uh, this this link, this connection in some way. And, uh, and if you don't know, like Simon House is an MB camp. It's part of our, our conference. It's part of our family of churches here in Manitoba. So, Daryl, if you want to come on up, and uh, I'm going to pray for you and look forward to what it is you have to lead us in from here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for Simon House Bible Camp, uh, the, the place, the people that have served there, and the ministry and impact that it has. I thank you for uh, Daryl this morning being able to share with us, and I pray that you would uh, you would give your message through him, and uh, you would open our hearts and minds to receive that and to have it land in the best way possible. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, thank you. Good morning. It's uh, really great to be here this morning and to uh, get to share a little bit uh, with you about uh, Simon House and... Uh, some of the work that we we do up there. Uh, if you don't know about Simon House, as uh, Pastor Scott mentioned, um, there's a map, and we are quite far up north. Usually when I speak in Winnipeg, I say we're up north, and people are like, oh, you mean Ashern? And <laughs> I'm like, well, that's how we know when we're down south. But... Uh, <laughs> kind of small, but Winnipeg's at the bottom. You'll see Dauphin uh, highlighted there, Simon House is at the top, and Prince Albert is on the Saskatchewan side, just to give you some perspective. It's a really beautiful area up there. We're uh, between the towns of the Paw and Flin Flon, so if you hear those names when you're watching the weather or something inadvertently, um, that's kind of of where we are. And uh, so we serve uh, a real number of small towns and indigenous communities in the area. Uh, some are fly-in only or uh, winter roads in the winter, uh, so it's quite a quite a uh, diverse area. We uh, get a lot of kids that come from either indigenous or provincial uh, family services, so lots of foster kids that come in. Uh, rumor is we're cheaper than respite, but uh, kids come in and get to hear about Jesus there. We have lots of, of great stories of kids coming and lots of uh, heartbreaking ones. As well as we, we minister to some of these kids. Uh, most of them, of course, uh, that come to camp. It's really interesting is that we have about 80, 90 percent of our kids really have no church influence. Uh, so you know kids are coming to Bible camp. We, we keep Bible in our, our name. They know where they're coming to. Um, but uh, so it gives us a really neat mission field of uh, these kids that are coming and um, being able to just pour into their lives for, for a week. Simon House has a really great reputation in the north for being just a safe place for kids. That's partly why I think that uh, parents have no problem sending their kids there even though they might not have the same sort of faith values that we have. Um, And so kids really come from a whole uh, spectrum of situations to camp. We kind of are are termed as a bold frontline evangelistic ministry. We We really want to be there. We know that this might be the only uh, time that these kids get to hear about God's love, and so we need to utilize that. Of course, during our uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we have not been able to run our regular camps for three seasons or three summers, Uh, and so this past summer was our first summer back. Um, The first summer of COVID, we quickly adapted. We kind of created from scratch a virtual camp, Not the same thing, but it still was able to provide uh, a way to connect with kids. So we quickly built a whole new website to handle all this. It was kind of a combination of live Zoom uh, pieces, uh, some recorded videos, some activities that kids could do on their own at home. And uh, it was a way of staying connected with lots of our our kids that way. And then for last year in 2022, uh, we had different church groups that came up to do some work projects at the camp. We had some damage that was done uh, from uh, our lake, uh, kind of obliterated our dock and a few other things. And so we kind of got the camp back into a good position. And then we ran uh, one week of what we called a work and leadership training just to kind of work at rebuilding some of our staff team again um, as some of that momentum kind of decreased over that time. So it's definitely a challenging year of preparation to get camp back up and going again. Uh, our camp leadership model is a mentoring model of course. So so the staff will start young as a leader in training and LIT and kind of maybe work their way up through to cabin leader and into our senior staff or with programming and and whatnot. And so we, you know, typically can get a good three summers uh, people come up for, but we have an unusual um, statistic that we actually are able to get a lot of our youth for about like five summers, which is actually a lot of time, <laughs> and we're really thankful for that. But uh, people uh, see the importance of our ministry, and so they like to stay on. Of course, uh, COVID killed that momentum and, and that mentoring. We had this, this three-year gap now, and so, so we've had to start fresh. So this year, we had the smallest number of a staff. We had about half the staff that we usually have. Um, but we had the most diverse group. We had them coming from British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Minnesota, Arizona, and Florida, if you can imagine that. (laughs) So uh, it was great having uh, just a a really great team come up and with a lot of uh, different diversity there and all. Um, You know, being our start back year, uh, some of our connections kind of weakened through COVID and all, and so we didn't have our usual number of kids apply. So it's sort of balanced out. We didn't have to turn too many away. But of course, for this summer, and going forward, we're aiming for full camps again. This uh, summer was definitely what I would call a quality over quantity summer, and uh, I was asked this morning and earlier, and trying to count back, I guess I'm in my 25th year now of leading Simon House Bible Camp, which is more than half my life. Um, I like to joke, although it's probably not actually a joke, but (laughs) it's... uh, uh, I haven't decided what, what I want to be when I grow up, so I guess i'll uh, keep keep working on there. but the reality is I really just love the mission. I love the mission of what Simon house uh, does i um, I love the people of the north it's uh, <laughs> it's challenging and uh, it's it's interesting and um, it's just really uh, yeah it's just it's a good place to work. I moved out to Manitoba uh, after answering uh, an M b Herald uh, job ad. <laughs> I moved out from uh, Kelowna, BC, where I grew up, with the smallest U-Haul you could get, and um, with everything I owned, and I haven't turned back. And, you know, we just have such a fantastic staff team throughout the years, and kids coming to the Lord. It's just been super uh, exciting to see. And this year, the Lord really provided just a really cohesive, mission-focused, energetic group that came and served selflessly, and it really showed. And again, saw many lives turning to Jesus, Uh, During our staff training week, we do a week-long group uh, time with the group just to kind of get them uh, on the same page, procedures of camp and uh, whatnot, but I always give what I call a short Bible quiz to my staff. They refer to it as the dreaded Bible quiz, Um, but you know, my philosophy is uh, we're here to teach the Bible. We should probably know what it says, and so let's start with some basics and see where we're at, and uh, so... Uh, At the beginning, I always ask them how many times they've read the Bible cover to cover, which typically there's not too many. Although, I'll say this, one of our youngest staff this year has done it three times. He's about 15 or 16 years old. So that's pretty impressive. Three times cover to cover. Um, Next thing I ask is if they do regular Bible reading, which, you know, seems, oh, I do regular. Then I say, well, what does regular look like? So they have to define what that means. And then I go into some other questions, some basics, like, who said the verse, you know, for God's love the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, which of course is Jesus. Or it might have been, you know, who wrote the book of Romans, you know, which would be Paul's, those kinds of questions. At the end of the test, I have these three paragraphs and I got it from kind of a youth ministries workshop thing I had been at years ago. And... Uh, it's, it's one paragraph would align with our statement of faith quite well. The next paragraph would be close, but kind of diluted, right? And then the next one would be diluted even further. So you get the point. It's kind of a weakening in positions. And so I ask them uh, for them to select the one that they would align with the most, or which one that they would agree with the most. This one always gets some uh, some interesting conversation going. So it causes, I use it as a discussion tool, and because uh, it's getting to be a little bit more, um, yeah, just interesting to see what comes out of it. So most of the time, people will, most of the staff will pick the one that aligns kind of directly with our statement of faith, and a few people might pick the next one and then kind of argue some terminology, which is fine. But was interesting was that this year was the first year that I've actually seen most people go to the second paragraph, the more um, diluted one, and a few people agreeing with the uh, the one that would directly align with our statement of faith. And the interesting thing is, too, that I also say this is one of our more mature years, one of the years that we've had more Bible school students, more missionary kids that have uh, grown up um, at various places with the influence of, of, of the Bible around them. So it's been very interesting. You know, it kind of surprises me, but then doesn't surprise me at the same time, and I think what we're seeing in all this is a, a type of culture creep, which has been happening for a long time. Culture creep continues to grow, and it's slowly been eroding away at the Christian faith. C.S. Lewis in the popular book, The Screwtape Letter says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. You know, it doesn't seem right to be claiming that Christianity is the only true religion, or that Jesus is the only way to heaven in today's day and age. But if that's not what we believe, then we have to figure out what do we believe. Culture creep can happen in our churches and ministries for a number of reasons, but there's kind of two big ones that I just wanted to look at this morning. The first is what I call a lack of missional urgency. So that is a lack of feeling the urgency to carry out the church's mission. At Simon House, we've always strived to be biblically accurate while remaining culturally relevant, which I'm sure most ministries do. However, in Christian ministries, we're seeing more of a pull to do what culture wants us to do rather than what the Bible says we should do. What drives our mission of pointing lives to Jesus is the deep understanding that people are doomed to hell without a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not really a comfortable thing to say or to even hear anymore in our culture where the pursuit of inclusivity has become the new moral compass, but we have to ask ourselves, do you believe that? Because our belief and our understanding of eternity ahead will motivate us, or not motivate us, to be incredibly intentional in what we do and keep our focus on the mission. We can't force anyone, of course, to make a decision for the Lord, but we can be very intentional in teaching them about Jesus. We can directly teach about Jesus. We can model Jesus' love. And of course, we can ask each and every camper who comes on site if they would like to have a personal relationship with Jesus, which is what we do. In addition, we can present the gospel to the parents that are closing programs uh, so that they too will hear. You know, it really is truly amazing at what one week at camp can do for a person. We see a high number of kids giving their lives to the Lord or rededicating themselves to him, at the very least, we plant seeds that hopefully will take root and grow. not sure if you've ever heard of the uh, indigenous TV program called Tribal Trails. It's based out of Prince Albert. Uh, But on one episode, they had a guest who had shared her struggles in life. She was now an adult and recounting how um, in her early, I think it was like her late teens, early 20s, she had moved to Winnipeg, got into the wrong things, and uh, was, was living a life that she didn't want to live. She hit rock bottom in her life, but as that happened, she began to recall the things that she had learned at a Bible camp as a child. She ended up turning back to the Lord and got herself into a better place just from those seeds that had been planted, which is super exciting. You know, one week can have an impact, but The really, truly special thing about that story was that it was at Simon House Bible Camp. So we see that those uh, seeds have been planted years ago, and it just affirms in us that God can continue to to make them grow. So um, I was super excited this morning, uh, getting the leadership report. (laughs) I don't attend your church, but uh, there was a really great segue into kind of where I'm going a little bit. Uh, my graduate level education is in leadership and management and or, um, majoring in organizational le- leadership. So to some, they think it's a pretty geeky field. But uh, many people <laughs> with that degree become consultants and or help other organizations to do better. So I also get very excited about making organizations efficient and effective in what they do. Um, yeah, so including the church, and from time to time I'm kind of asked to help out with other organizations or churches as they work through some of the governance or some other issue, leadership issues that a lot of people find pretty boring or overwhelming, but I kind of nerd out doing. How much more exciting, and I think you saw it this morning, can it be when a place is running really well and they're doing what they're supposed to do and you're feeling really needed and You know, you feel like you're in that sweet spot. And that's where it's just really exciting to be part of those kinds of organizations. It certainly beats meeting after meeting where you go round and round and nothing really gets accomplished. If we're going to do something, then let's do it well and let's do it with passion. Every church will have a different mission statement uh, that will highlight, you know, specific things maybe in their context a little bit. But all of them at the heart should have the Great Commission. Uh, in it which is what all of us are told to do uh, who are Christians and it's been given to us as our broad mission statement Jesus said told us therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you we are to bring Christ to the world starting in our homes our towns communities and spreading out from there And I'm finding more and more that uh, culture creep is convincing people that this really isn't that important. In fact, I'm a bit surprised when I work with some churches where I hear pushback that the Great Commission is maybe not the primary purpose of the church. It's not bad, but it might not be the reason for the church. If it isn't, then what is it? Doesn't Jesus tell us to do this? Our missional urgency is directly related to our understanding and belief of scripture. If we truly believe that people are doomed to hell without a personal relationship with Jesus, then what are we doing about that? We can do a lot of good things, but we always have to ask ourselves, are we doing the right things? If Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, then of course we can be, become more complacent. But what does the Bible say? In John fourteen six it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do we believe that? There are some verses I share at almost every closing program with campers and parents that come from Romans. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from, from the dead, you will be saved. A couple of verses down in verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For me, I always come back to mission. What is your mission and do you live it? Do you believe that it's important? If you don't believe it's important or don't really subscribe to it, you're not going to be particularly effective at doing it. One of the great killers of the effectiveness of the church is a lack of understanding of the mission. Most churches have a mission statement on the wall. But if I, were walk, if I were to walk up to various people and ask them what that mission was, you often get a lot of really blank looks. The mission should be so leave, lived and breathed that people know it and own it and can recite it. The mission should be something that drives us. It's why we're there. Otherwise, it becomes very easy to do good things, but just not the right things. For a church, the right things always come back to people growing in Jesus. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we should only do Bible studies and not do fellowship or any kind of social helps, not at all. But in doing those social help pieces, pieces, we need to make sure that there's an intentional intentional link back to Jesus. At camp, we use each activity not only as part of the reason why kids want to come to camp, but also each activity is linked to the Bible to intentionally teach them biblical truths. One lesson from our climbing tower might be on faith and trusting the rope. Archery is a really great one, uh, because in technical archery, there's such a thing apparently. Technical archery, when you miss the target, when you miss the mark, it's called a sin. And so, of course, you can uh, bounce off that really well. It's a great analogy to work from. In our staff training week, one of the verses we always take a look at in context of a group of verses that we can use to kind of share with campers the need of Jesus in their life um, comes from Revelations 3.20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Sounds pretty good, right? I mean, we, we all want this uh, this picture of Jesus wanting to have us in, in our lives, wanting to have him in our lives. I uh, understand that how this, can, this verse you know, works really well in this context of you know, sharing the gospel and how Jesus is there ready and willing for us uh, to become a believer. But it's always a little off for me because that's not quite the context in which it's in. So let me ask you this. Do you know who this verse was written to? This passage wasn't written to the unbelieving. it was in fact, written to the church in Laodicea. So, so think about that for a second. There's a church going on, there's activities happening, and Jesus is on the outside, knocking on the door, peeping in the window, trying to see what's happening. Uh, it's not really a great picture of a church that's doing the right things. They very well could be doing the good things in that church, you know, organizing things or whatever, uh, but perhaps missing out and doing some of the wrong things. Jesus says to the uh, church in Laodicea a little bit earlier, which gives us a little bit of uh, indication of what the problem was perhaps. says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Those are some pretty sobering, harsh words to hear about a church. I get the impression that this likely wasn't an intentional turn from Jesus. There may have been some very good people doing some very good things or thinking they were. But again, always doing the right things always comes back to Jesus. It's very easy to get busy doing good things, but have we left Jesus outside knocking, wanting to be back in our churches and in our lives? Are we in danger of being spit out? So a lack of missional urgency is definitely a sign of culture creep in our churches. The second one I wanted to mention this morning, a significant sign of culture creep in the church is apathy to sin that is overlooking or being indifferent to sin, if not downright excusing it. After all, supposedly everything goes these days. Who are we to say that something is right or wrong? Perhaps I feel that uh, in my circumstance that I should get a pass. Because after all, is it really that bad if I do this or I do that? Which reminds me of the snake in the Garden of Eden talking to Eve saying, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is an incredibly clear picture of Satan's technique of planting ideas in our mind to question that which we know or should know to be true. The thing about uh, truth is that truth doesn't need you to believe it for it to be true. Truth doesn't need you to believe it for it to still be true. Again, that's that slow change that C.S. Lewis earlier referred to. We need to guard ourselves in the little decisions along the way in addition to the bigger, obvious ones. Why has sin become so tolerated among Christians and in the church? The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So yes, sin will always be a battle. But Philippians uh, 3, 13, 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We need to press on towards Jesus following God is not always the easy way it involves constant decisions between doing right and wrong in a multitude of decisions that come up daily Christianity is kind of a unique faith in that we have a personal relationship with the living God that's that's pretty cool I don't know of any other religion that has that on the one hand we have God the creator of the universe who is holy and just the king of kings and on the other hand, we also know God as Abba, which can be a much more personal kind of a connection translated as dad or daddy, God our, our father, God our dad. That's, it's very much a very close relationship that we have. We can come to God and talk to him directly and tell him about our day and uh, tell him about our concerns. Hopefully remember to uh, bring our praises as well. But sometimes I think this casual closeness uh, while so amazing, can also hinder us by allowing us t- to become too casual or downplay or forget the holiness of God. We justify ours and others' sin for whatever reason, though often out of convenience, because doing it the right way may cost us somehow. However, God is clear about sin. In Isaiah 59 too, he says, But your iniquities, which is a word for sin, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin is a problem. As I mentioned, the archery definition of sin is missing the mark. It doesn't matter if you miss by a little or a lot. The Bible doesn't rate uh, sins as greater or lesser. All sins are a problem. Our sins affect our relationship with God. God and sin cannot coexist. Remember that after Adam and Eve sinned, they were expelled from the Garden of Eden where God was. I have no idea of what hell will look like. However, I have heard hell described as the place where God is not. It's the absence of God. The culture creep defense is to say, "Don't judge me," or "We're you know who are we to comment on other people's lives?" Some like to quote the verses in Matthew that says not to judge. And truthfully, we cannot hold people who do not claim to be Christian to Christian morals and standards. If a person doesn't claim to be a follower of Jesus, then, we, uh, then how can we hold them to that standard? But friends, if we claim to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, that means that we are his representative. Our lives are proxy examples for him. For some people, we may be the only Jesus that they get to see. If we're living in blatant, deliberate, intentional sin, then we need to be held account- accountable as well. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, and makes me think of those chef things that go back and forth. And the funny thing is, those sharpening rods, is that what you call them? I don't know. I don't do that. <laughs> but you know what? They actually wear down over time a little bit too, right? There's a little bit that comes off. You know, it's not easy. It's not, not meant to be this easy. So if we're helping someone else, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a uncomfortableness with it as well. Often, part of baptism, uh, we'll have a talk with the congregation, and as well about accountability to the to the body. Galatians says, "Brothers and sisters, if someone has caught in thing, you who by the Spirit should restore that person gently." Of course, that's best done after we've considered ourselves and make sure that we're walking in right communion with the Lord. We should be regularly evaluating our lives, ensure that we're living the life that Jesus wants us to live. You know, we do that often during communion, but doesn't hurt to be doing it more often, too, and just ensuring that, that uh, we are walking right with God. The Bible uses the analogy of a body when referring to the church and how if one part suffers, so does the rest of it. Friends, if we claim to be Christians but are living contrary to that in blatant intentional sin, knowing that we are in sin and having no desire to change, then the rest of the body will become sick and will suffer I've often heard the words, oh, we're just going to love them as a response. And of course, that that sounds good. We want to love people. But what does loving mean? Does loving them mean turning a blatant eye to sin, which is actively pulling someone away from Jesus? If we truly love them, wouldn't we want to walk alongside them and help them turn back to Jesus? Does love, real love, not bring people closer to the original love, which is God? After all, God is love. We want to have healthy churches. Of course, this can be uncomfortable and messy, but we need to pray for wisdom and a loving approach to do it. We need to stop excusing sin, but that is something that needs to be handled very well and biblically. I've seen time and time again of churches who deal with sin in a careful, loving way become incredibly effective and thriving. It only makes sense, though definitely not easy, but God gives us instructions. To do so. Allowing the church to become indifferent and intolerant of everything only leads at best to being lukewarm. So apathy uh, to sin is another sign of culture creep that we're beginning to see in the churches. My role as executive director is a lot of things, but a big part of that is working with young adults uh, in our ministry team as they're at a place in their life where they will soon be leaving home and starting to make decisions uh, on their own in regards to their faith they'll have to decide if they're going to get up in the morning and, and go to church and, or not uh, the researcher barna did a study a while ago and uh, found that a surprisingly high number of young people turn away from the lord in their 20s early 20s well what are they doing at that point right they're moving out of out of their home parents homes they're going out on their own they have to make those decisions for themselves I want to encourage them in making their faith their own. Uh, We talked about the Bible quiz and and how those who indicated they read the Bible regularly did much better in it. So of course, you know, that's nothing earth-shattering, but uh, we do need to be in that word and reading the word and not just saying, well, I think God would do this or God would say that, because that really kind of makes us put ourselves at the level of God, which is probably not a good thing to do. I really try to spur on our young staff to become excited, passionate disciples of Jesus. As Christians, we all need to remain steadfast and committed to the sharing of the gospel, immersed in the word and understanding and believing that people are lost without Jesus. We need to guard ourselves and our Christian family from sin and be effective and healthy in the church. Thank you for all you do as a church in this community. We're looking for our, our team for next summer already. I live summer to summer. Uh, it's just kind of weird, even though I love skiing, so it's this weird world I live in, but I'm already promoting for next summer. So uh, just so you know, our leader and training program, which has a minimum age of 15, and uh, cabin leaders are usually 18 or so, unless they've done some other leadership training. Uh, we look for a program director, assistant program director. Some of these roles start uh, already back in, uh, in end of April or May. Um, and so we're up there for a while working ahead. Uh, we have a great ministry and encourage you, if uh, you or someone you know might be a good fit to contact us. Uh, the cost of doing ministry in the north is quite high. Um, uh, but we are looking for sorts of prayer and financial help uh, partners as well. Uh, I do have just a uh, few things on the table back there, if you want to sign up at all for an email or a mail, mailing list, you can do that. Uh, I'm always asked when I go places, we have cookbooks for sale that are really popular, and so I brought some along, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you want a cookbook, uh, I can take cards for that or a donation or something as well. Uh, so you can visit our website at www.simonhouse.ca, there's always lots of information on there on staff and things, or um, how to donate. So this morning, I'm going to close with a video that uh, I gave our, one of our program director, Toby, the job of putting together a video. I said, I need a new video that tells people why they should work at camp. And uh, I'm pretty excited with what they came up with. Um, I even get a little bit emotional sometimes because it lets me know that, you know, we've been doing some good things up there throughout the years, even though it seems pretty lonely at times. And so I hope you enjoy this video. Um, it'll just give you a little taste of what our summer uh, was like again. So thank you.
2: Simon House was super valuable to me. I'm super glad I came here to spend my summer. It was just, a really great place where you can get away from all the busyness and distractions of school and life and just take time to have fun and really focus on God and exploring the Bible more.
3: I made a lot of new friends here who are Christian. We're all here to love kids, we're all here to serve each other and to serve God. The community we have is one of support and one of encouragement. It's really a place where I was able to grow in my faith a lot and I think I was able to help other people grow in their faith as well. One thing that I really enjoyed while I was up here was getting to experience the culture and sort of community of the churches up here. Every Sunday we would go as a staff to a different church in the area and I always felt encouraged by the people there and the faith that they had in God and they were always really kind and welcoming to us.
2: I think the best word I can use to describe Simon House was, raw we can take all that extra like smoke we don't need that it's really just the staff and the place and then our heart posture towards camp and towards the kids and obviously the holy spirit helping us the whole time that's what we have that's our those are our tools there's something different something raw about something super real and i really enjoyed that
3: I think that Simon House is in a really cool spot. It's up north in Manitoba. So it's not really the most exotic place to come in and do missions work. So all the people that are here, they're really here for a reason. They have a purpose, they've been called here. Because of that, the culture here at Simon House is really one where we're all dedicated to serving God, not really any other distractions or any other reasons that we would be here.
2: I think the kids, when they come here, they're obviously having fun. They're going swimming and doing all the great things. I think it's valuable to them because they get to see just a picture of a glimpse of the gospel, a glimpse of Jesus. They come here, we're all equal, and they all get to hear about Jesus, and that is amazing, especially for the kids up here where I've heard that a lot of them don't go to church and stuff, and like this is what they do for the summer. For one week, we get to show them the light of Christ, and that is infinitely valuable. Simon House is a place where God is working and people are experiencing Jesus in a real way. Where friendships and connections are made. Simon
3: House is a community. Simon House has a culture that points to God in every single way.
2: Simon House is a place where Jesus is. Come to Simon House!